So we are continuing this morning in our series through the Gospel of Mark. And we come now to Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Hear now the eternal living word of God. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? This is the word of the Lord. As many of you know, I've been a high school math teacher for over 20 years. And most of my career, I, I, I've taught calculus and pre-calculus. 
And one of the things that makes calculus such a difficult math class is that calculus is no longer solely about computing, about plugging in numbers and, and doing math. Until calculus and the other math classes, you, you can often just do the math and not really understand what it means but, and do well. Simply know how to do it and, and, and do well in that class. But when you get the calculus, in order to do well, you have to fully understand the underlying concepts behind the math you are doing. You not only have to know what to do, but you have to know what it means. You have to know why you're doing it and what this answer means in the context of the problem. And if you don't understand what it all means, you won't be able to do well in this class. Our passage this morning follows the beginning of the ministry of Jesus in the territory of the Gentiles. And last week we read the stories when Jesus cast out demons from the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman and he healed the deaf and mute man and he showed God's love for Gentiles, for non-Jewish people. He showed that salvation comes to everyone through him, through Jesus Christ, both Jew and non-Jew, Gentile. And this week, Jesus will continue his mission in Gentile territory. But he contrasts this with a brief trip back to Galilee, where he once again squares off with the Pharisees. In doing so, Jesus reveals that failing to understand who he is is ultimately unbelief. And through this, he teaches his disciples and all of us that unbelief can fester. It can harden your heart. And this is a fatal mistake because believing in Jesus and who he is is the key to the kingdom of God. The passage this morning begins with, in those days, meaning in the days when Jesus was ministering in the Gentile territory. This is immediately following the story of the healing of the deaf and mute man in the region of Decapolis, which is on the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee. So Mark is telling us in this story that it takes place in the same area around the same time. And it's interesting because we have another feeding miracle. Mark has already told us about the feeding of the 5,000, which took place in chapter 6, and this one's very similar. Again, a great crowd gathered somewhere in the wilderness near the Sea of Galilee, and they had nothing to eat. Again, Jesus is moved with compassion for these people and their need. Again, the disciples have their doubts that such a great crowd can be fed in the middle of nowhere. Again, Jesus asked them how much food they have, and they respond with what little they have. And again, after giving thanks to God, Jesus performs another miracle, feeding thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. But there are several differences as well. Some obvious ones are that this time the people were with Jesus for three days, not just one. There were seven loaves of bread this time instead of five. And there were fewer baskets left over this time. Also, the word for fish is different. In chapter 6, the word is a generic word for fish, whereas here the word for fish is more accurately sardines. And this would make sense because this was a staple of the diet of the Gentiles in this region. 
There's 4,000 people this time, whereas there was, were 5,000 men in chapter 6. But the most important difference would be the location and therefore the makeup of the crowd. In chapter 6, the feeding takes place in Jewish territory. This means it would have been mostly, if not all, Jewish people attending. But now in chapter 8, Jesus is on the far side of the Sea of Galilee. He's in Gentile territory. Therefore, a significant amount of those present would have been Gentiles, would have been non-Jewish people. And Jesus is once again in this feeding miracle revealing that he is God's Messiah. He's revealing that he's God's anointed king sent to begin the new exodus of his people into the kingdom of God. He is the great shepherd bringing the blessings of the kingdom of God to the people. And he's fulfilling the ancient promises of God. In Isaiah chapter 55, the prophet foretold of the blessings that the Messiah would bring when he came to inaugurate his kingdom. He said, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And you labor for that which is not, does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Isaiah was predicting that the Messiah would provide bread for the hungry. But in this case, Jesus is showing that his people that he will care for and feed includes the Gentiles. The kingdom of God is open to people of all nations and God loves them the same. And Jesus is ministering them to this, in the same way he did in Israel. He is casting out demons. He is healing them from their physical ailments. He is feeding them and providing for their needs. He has compassion on them. He loves them. And some of the Gentiles are responding to him. They are calling him Lord. They see him for who he is. They're repenting and believing and they are entering the kingdom of God. Jesus is revealing that he is the bread of life, that he is Yahweh, God in the flesh, come to bring about the new exodus and feed his people. And he provides for their physical needs and their spiritual needs, and he is now showing that this includes the Gentiles. This includes people from all nations, and his mission is to call to himself a people of every nation, tribe, and tongue. And he will provide for their needs. It's interesting that in both of these feeding miracles, there is leftover food. And this must have been intentional. It's not that Jesus made a mistake, that sorry I overdid it, I made too much miraculous bread. He's doing this to convey a message. That Jesus, the good shepherd who loves and cares for the sheep, will always Provide for your needs, and there will be more than enough. This is spiritually, physically, emotionally. Jesus is your ultimate provider. You will have more than what you need when you trust in him. The issue is when you start to desire more than you need. When you start to focus on yourself and you, you, your own wants <laughs> and desires, and you want bigger and better, and you want it now. And then you can become discontent with what God has provided. But when your focus is first on God and his kingdom and his righteousness, 
then you can be content with what he provides. And Jesus teaches us to order our hearts this way. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught not to be anxious about what you will eat or what you will wear, because God is a loving and providing Father who will provide for your every need. He says, if, the birds of the, if God feeds the birds of the air, how much more will he feed you? If the flowers are given beauty, how much more will he clothe you? And then he concludes this by saying not to be anxious about the necessities of life, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When you seek first, primary in your life, God and his glory and his righteousness, his heart will be aligned with yours. You will have everything you need. You won't desire more than what you need, but you'll be given beyond that. And Jesus is showing this in the feeding miracles. He's saying that you can trust in him to provide. God provides through his son everything you need. Now once again, when the miracle is over and the people have been fed, Jesus sends the people away. And this time, he immediately got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. This means after ministering in the Gentile area for some time, he crossed back over the Sea of Galilee into Jewish territory. And upon his arrival, he is met by the Pharisees who greet him with another argument. And it says they were seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. The word for test here doesn't mean that they were trying to assess for understanding or they were trying to discover some merit in what he was doing. It actually means that they were being an obstacle or a stumbling block to discredit him. It's the same word used when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. They're not asking for Jesus to perform another miracle. Jesus has already performed numerous miracles. His ministry has been full of all types of miracles. Many of them were in the presence of the Pharisees. They are asking for a sign from heaven. They want God to personally authorize the work of Jesus. But there's nothing that would convince their hardened hearts that Jesus was the Messiah. Their conclusion from his earlier miracles that they had witnessed was that it was by the power of Satan that he was casting out demons. And so again, Jesus deeply sighs as he has already. This time he is sighing in anguish at the hardened hearts and the unbelief of the Pharisees. He's grieved at the opposition from the leaders of his own people. And he says, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. He won't give them more than he already has. He's already done miracle after miracle, casting out demons, making a crippled man walk, raising a girl from the dead. And these men ask for another sign. And if he did it, they still wouldn't believe. So he will give them nothing. And this story is contrast with the reception of Jesus by the Gentiles in the previous two stories. The woman who was the, whose daughter was possessed by a demon showed tremendous faith in Jesus. She knew who he was. She believed in him. And the friends of the deaf and mute man did the same. 
But the leaders of Israel, those who are leading God's chosen people, fail to see who Jesus is. They even attribute the works of their own Messiah to Satan. And they oppose him every chance they get. And if they haven't understood who he is yet, if they don't believe in him, they won't get a sign. And so Jesus leaves them. He gets into the boat and he goes back over to the other side, to the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee. And while he's in the boat with his disciples, they realize they've forgotten to bring enough bread to eat. They only brought one loaf. But Jesus, still thinking about his recent interaction with the Pharisees, uses an analogy about bread to teach them. He interrupts their discussion about a lack of bread to caution them. He says, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And Jesus is using this bread analogy to teach his disciples about unbelief. Leaven is what makes the dough of bread rise. And the leaven used in Jesus' day and typically used today is yeast. And a very small amount of yeast causes the whole lump of dough to rise. Jesus is saying, beware of the unbelief of the Pharisees and of Herod. This unbelief has hardened their hearts and it affects their entire lives. And he's giving this warning to his disciples who are concerned about how much bread they brought with them. But they're in the boat with Jesus. They've seen him perform countless miracles. They've seen him twice now feed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread. But they still don't seem to fully comprehend who he is. And this is the danger that Jesus is getting at. If you don't fully understand who Jesus is, then you can't believe in him. Both the Pharisees and Herod misunderstood who Jesus is. Herod thought he was John the Baptist raised from the dead. The Pharisees thought he was an agent of Satan. And for both Herod and the Pharisees, their misunderstanding of Jesus was the precursor to their unbelief. And their unbelief became hardened hearts and led to evil lives. And Jesus is warning his disciples that they're misunderstanding who he is. They've seen his miracles, but they're still concerned about forgetting bread in the boat. And their failure to understand who Jesus is can produce a hardness of heart. And the danger for them is actually a little more real because they're with Jesus every day. They could possibly just rest on the fact that they're always with Jesus and never actually trust in him. Never understand who he is, never truly believe in him. And this warning is a warning to everyone that you can't believe whatever you want about Jesus. Just because someone believes nice things about Jesus doesn't mean they have faith in him. It's not belief to think that he's a great prophet or a great moral teacher, as many will say today. Thinking highly of Jesus isn't faith. If it means you don't understand who he is, it's still unbelief. You must understand that he is the Savior that died for your sins. You must know that he is your only hope for salvation. Now your salvation doesn't depend on having a perfect theology or we'd all be doomed. It depends completely on the work of Christ. But you need to know that. 
You need to know that you have to trust in him completely for your salvation because he is your Lord and Savior. But the disciples do not heed Jesus' warning initially. They continue to discuss the fact that they have no bread. They continue to show their lack of understanding and belief. And Jesus, being aware of this discussion about bread, begins to press them with a series of questions. He says, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? Jesus is pushing his disciples because they seem to be unaware of their actual condition. He's saying that just because they're physically with him doesn't mean that they're automatically better off than Herod and the Pharisees. They are discussing loaves of bread even though they are in the boat with the almighty God creator of the universe. They're in the boat with the bread of life himself. And he's saying that entrance into the kingdom is based off belief in him. And this requires understanding who he is and trusting him. And they're showing a lack of understanding. And the danger is that this can lead to a hardened heart. Now Jesus is alluding to an Old Testament phrase that's used several times when he says, having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear. This phrase is used by the prophets to lament Israel's unbelief. The Lord told Jeremiah to proclaim to his people, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but not see not, who have ears but hear not. The Lord said to Ezekiel, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, who have eyes to see but see not, who have ears to hear but hear not, for they are a rebellious house. And already, Back when he was teaching the meaning of the parables in chapter 4, Jesus already quoted from Isaiah 6. There he said to his disciples, To you have been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand. When Jesus taught this to his disciples, he was teaching them about outsiders and insiders of the kingdom of God. That it's those who believe in him who are insiders, not the religious leaders of the day, because they rejected him. And now that Jesus has begun his ministry to the Gentiles, and some have responded in faith, some Gentiles are showing they understand who Jesus is, and they're trusting in him. But now the disciples are showing to be more like the Pharisees and Herod at the moment. And Jesus is questioning them. If they are truly insiders of the kingdom, then why don't they understand who he is? And Jesus uses the same phrasing of ears to hear a lot. He often says at the end of his teaching, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And he's saying that those who understand who he is and believe, those who are insiders in the kingdom and can understand his teaching Whereas the Pharisees and Herod are unbelievers. They don't have ears to hear. They don't have eyes to see the truth about Jesus. And so the disciples are treading close to this line. They're showing that they don't quite get who Jesus is yet. 
Failing to understand who Jesus is is unbelief, and it can fester and harden your heart. Believing in Jesus and who he is is the key to the kingdom of God. This is what makes you an insider in the kingdom. And for the disciples, they seem to be forgetting all that they've seen. They're stuck in their own world. They're caught up in their own circumstances. They're anxious with, about bread when Jesus has just fed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread. And this is the danger for you and I as well. Focusing on your circumstances, wrapped up in the difficulties of life, anxious about your needs, and not remembering who Jesus is. Your Savior, the Good Shepherd. He cares for his sheep. He will provide for you. And he loves you so deeply that he laid down his life for you. It's when you forget Christ, when you forget who he is, when you forget what he has done and continues to do, that you start to worry about your circumstances. The disciples might have been physically with Jesus, but how they were acting in the small moments of their life was showing a lack of trust in him, showing a lack of understanding of who he really was. And so Jesus tries to remind them about the feeding miracles that have taken place. He says, do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? How many were left over? And they said, 12. And he says, and the seven for the 4,000. How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they responded, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Jesus is teaching his disciples what the things they have seen mean for them. He's reminding them that he is in control of everything. He is their Lord, and they know that, but he is the Lord over their lives. He is the Lord over all of creation. He is the Lord over every circumstance and every situation you can find yourself in. Do you trust in him? Not only in the big, life-changing moments, but in the small moments of everyday life. It only took forgetting some loaves of bread for the disciples to lose focus on Jesus. And they were physically with him in the boat. They were physically present for all his miracles. They were in the boat when he commanded the wind and the sea to obey. They were in the boat when he walked on water and revealed to them that he himself is the glory of Yahweh in the flesh. But when he asked them, do you not yet understand? There's an element of hope in the word yet. Belief is not beyond them. He's chastising them for their lack of understanding and belief, but he knows that there is hope for them yet. It's not until the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon them that they fully understand and believe. They will have moments of faith and, and Moments of unbelief throughout Mark's gospel as the story unfolds. But when God sends him, sends them his spirit, they know who Jesus is and they fully trust in him with the whole of their lives. They're not perfect at that point, but they are all in. And so when the circumstances of life lead you to worry, lead you to frustration, lead you to even despair, you can remember Jesus Christ. You can remember that he cares for you, that he is sovereign over 
everything, including the circumstances of your life. So instead of worrying, you can go to him because he loves you so much that he came down from his place in heaven and entered the world of human suffering. He lived a perfectly righteous life that you could never live in your place, even though you've rejected him countless times. Because his love for you is a divine love. It's a love that defies human understanding. He loves you with the love of God for his people. Jesus is Yahweh. That is, Jesus is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. And he will give you everything you need. So you can be content in what he provides. You can trust in him no matter what happens to you. And you can love him in return. Knowing that you are in the hands of almighty God who will protect you and love you for eternity. And this will free you to love him and to serve him with all that you are. Trusting that he will provide everything you need today, tomorrow, and for the rest of eternity. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning knowing that we are often anxious about our lives. We often worry about our circumstances and we lose sight of you and your son and all that you are and all that you've done and all that you continue to do. Help us, Lord, by your spirit. Strengthen us with your grace that we would rely on you in every circumstance, that we would remember your son, Jesus Christ, and know in our heart that he is the good shepherd that would love us, care for us, and provide for us in everything we need as we go through this life focusing on you, seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness, that we may glorify you with the whole of our lives, knowing that you will provide for our needs, that we will submit to your will, that our desires will be your desire, and that we will glorify you with the whole of our lives. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.